At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Welcome, everyone, to the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Trana. Back, first podcast of 2019, where it's, uh, it's actually like a timely one. We taped last week's in December. Last week, of course, was the Office Roundtable with Alan Seppenwall and Dan Harron. The feedback on that podcast from uh, Twitter people was tremendous. People seem to enjoy it. I am scheduled to have a cast member from the office on the podcast uh, sometime in January. I don't. I can't give you all the details yet. The interview is supposed to happen this week. Once it does, I will give you the details, but uh, it's going to be a good one if it comes through. So that's going to be at the end of January. This week's show, we have two interviews for you. First, Joe Buck who calls Rams-Cowboys on Saturday night for Fox. And then Jim Ross, the legendary WWE announcer, will join us to talk about the life of Mean Gene Oakland, who sadly passed away last week. Next week on the SI Media Podcast, Bill Walton. So uh, if you are not a subscriber and you're just coming across this, hit the subscribe button. If you like any of these podcasts, please review it, rate it, give it the stars. It helps tremendously. Please, if you're listening, rate, review. It's a tremendous help. Subscribe. So I'm not, uh, not going to get into too much stuff here because we got good interviews. Um, I'm trying to think. There's really no media things I really need to get into this week. So we're going to go to Joe Buck, who was phenomenal, by the way. A lot of Saved by the Bell. If you don't know out there, Joe, there was a little controversy. Joe uh, pronounced, was reading a promo for a new Fox show, and he pronounced Mark Paul Gossler's name, Mark Paul Gosselar, and Twitter had a field day with that. So uh, Joe and I go in depth on that hard-hitting topic and other things. Joe is great. And we have Jim Ross on Mean Gene Oakland. Next week, Bill Walton coming up a couple of weeks from now, cast member from The Office. Last week, we had The Office Roundtable. Other things in the archives was the 2018 Year in Review. You should check out Bill Burr in the archives and a bunch of other things. So check it all out on the SI Media Podcast. Let's get this week rolling with Joe Buck. All right, joining me now, man who calls a big game this week with the Cowboys and Rams for Fox. Joe Buck. Joe, how are you? 
I'm well. Uh, how are you doing? I'm well, but and, and I, you know, I don't want to start off on a negative note and go right to the controversy, but you know, this is going to be some hard hitting. It's big. It's a big controversy. It's big, and I'm a hard hitting journalist, so we got to get right to it. I mean, okay, here yeah. I am. I, I name you and Troy the broadcast team of the year on SI.com on our year end awards feature, and then right after that, you go on national TV and disrespect one of the great actors of all time, Mark, Mark Paul Gosler a.k.a. Zach Morris from one of the great shows of all time, Saved by the Bell. How sure. do you explain yourself? Well, uh, this, this is going to come in like a four-part answer. Um, so here's the first part. When it debuted, I looked this up, I was 20. Um, <laughs> and I watched a lot of Saved by the Bell in my, in my early 20s, which uh, really kind of, I think, started to make me feel creepy. Uh, watching a show about high school. Uh, but I, I was well aware of Mark Paul. I was well aware of the great Dustin Diamond, well aware <laughs> of really the entire cast, Tiffany and Matisse, and right on down the line, probably, Tiffany probably being the main reason why I was watching. And many, and uh, many, many others. Right. So every time I saw his name, Mark Paul, we'll leave the last name out of it for now, mm -hmm. uh, on the credits, I, I always, in my mind, thought that that's how you pronounced it, the way it's spelled, which is, I think it's, the end of it is L-A-A-R. Correct. I believe. Yes. Uh, so, forever, since I was 20, I've always thought that's the way you pronounce his last name. So, I have been saying it incorrectly for the better part of a month now, and nobody at Fox or in our truck or anywhere said to me, hey, you know, you're screwing up the guy's name. It's Gosler. Okay, well, so whatever. So then I say it in the Cowboy game on whatever night that was, Saturday. Saturday. Yep. And, and then it's like, oh, a Twitter storm, and you got to answer Twitter stuff and all that. So what I did, <laughs> and I'm not a journalist. I've admitted that on HBO. Uh, but journalistically, I, I thought it would be best if I talked to this guy, uh, Mark Paul Gosler. Oh, really? And so I got, uh, I got his number. He got mine. He called me. We talked yesterday for maybe, I don't know, a half hour. And uh, now I consider him one of my best friends. And here's the beauty of the whole thing. I said, tell me you don't have an uncle that pronounces your last name Gosselar. Right. And he said, no, actually, you're pronouncing it correctly. When I got into TV and whatever, I kind of dumbed it down and just said Gosselar because it would be too difficult or sound weird if I pronounced it the way it really is pronounced. He said, in fact, the way you pronounce my last name is Hoselar. It's Dutch. And I said, all right, well, good. So I, I was closer to the actual pronunciation, not having seen any in-depth interviews over the years with uh, Gosler, but he was great. And uh, we're, we're trying to find a way to inject this whole thing was, back into the broadcast in L.A. That was my next question. I mean, first of all, I, I guess you can say Joe Buck has been vindicated if, if Mark Paul takes you off the hook. Um, and yes, Fox would be very smart, very smart to somehow keep this going. But they don't think about it. I have to think about it. So well, I went yeah. to, I went to the back channels to get him and I'm like, you gotta, we, we gotta come up with something. Yeah. So we either will or we won't, but that's kind of, uh, that's kind of the way 
and like to do things. Maybe. The problem is, is, is it too inside? You know, I absolutely. Mean, I, I no. realize. No. I, I realize that Twitter reacted, but I'm not sure that speaks for 30 million people that are watching across Listen, the country. 30 million people know Saved by the Bell. They're familiar with it. They love it. It's a cult classic. I'm thinking. I know my mom won't even speak to me anymore because I, I I botched the end of it. In fact, he didn't even know it was a thing yeah. when we spoke yesterday, and he said that one of his friends, a Patriots fan, called him and said, "Oh, Buck, you totally hacked up your last yeah. name." And here's here's what he I'm thinking. He laughed at it and whatever. Here's what I'm thinking. Pass this along to the I don't know who's in charge of the Eric Shanks or. Uh, my friend Jacob, I'll pass this along. We've got Mark Paul doing the Zach Morris. We get Troy doing Slater and you as Screech. And we do a little, (laughs) little skit. Who cares about Cowboys Rams? Right. Yeah. Oh, and Aaron, you got Aaron. Aaron could be, Aaron could be, um, she could do the Tiffany Amber Thiessen. There you go. And you know, I I think you're, you're onto something. I I just think you have to remember we're there to cover the game, yeah. but I think the game becomes kind of secondary to, to what we're talking about. Absolutely. It's a big deal. And I have to say, um, and I've said this many times over the years, I think the the uh, tweets that you get are just absurd at this point, and I know you've talked about it, but I have to say the Joe Buck bashing that took place because of the mispronunciation I found amusing. I think any... T- and and. And yeah, it, it is. It's amusing <laughs> yeah. more than anything. I don't take any of that stuff personally. Yeah. I, I was, uh, you know, I was I was disappointed in myself <laughs> in that I didn't really check as to the proper pronunciation because part of part of our pregame ritual going into any stadium is to meet with the PR guys right before kickoff and go, all right, let's go through the roster number zero to number 99 and let's go through everybody's pronunciation and how they want their name pronounced because you know sometimes even the the ones you think are the most obvious aren't and and so you know then then you get you know not only this this guy's name who who is idolized by millions because (laughs) of his role as zach morris but he's now on a fox show at the at the very network where i'm broadcasting so (laughs) Shame on me two times over. Yeah. My favorite tweet about it uh, my, was uh, someone named Ethan Booker, a disgusting act by Joe Buck attempting to pronounce Mark Paul Gosler's name. thought that was crazy. Right. But you tell Ethan, you know, <laughs> you tweet at him, I'm not going to. No, no, no. It, it's really Hoselar. So yeah. I, I, I was at least, you know, down the middle. On the whole thing. Well, since we're talking about you reading the promo for Mark Paul Gosler's new show, before we get to the serious stuff here with the Rams and Cowboys, I... One of the things, it, I don't think it spun off from this. I forgot. I, oh, I know what it was. You were reading a promo during one of the games for the Mass Singer show. And I don't know. I observed that. I didn't think you were maybe loving the promo, but it did well in the ratings. And I don't want to get you in trouble. So we'll just put that aside. But I said, and it, become, it became this thing on Twitter with, um, I think I said, I, I wish that Fox would have gotten the WWE with SmackDown years ago instead of this coming year because it would have been great to hear you read the promos for SmackDown when the wrestlers had the really weird and outlandish names. Things are a little, like, now they usually stick to, you know, there's Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose, John Cena. The names are somewhat normal, but it would have been great if you had to read the promos, you know, tomorrow night on Fox, Val Venus takes on the Godfather with the Ho Train and that sort of thing. It would have been (laughs) much more amusing. I I, I know, but, but that all falls into the category of, like, 
whatever the guy's name was, whose tweet you just read, yeah. the whole, that's a disgusting act because it goes back to the Randy Moss thing, which right. goes back to like this perception that I'm some, you know, uptight dweeb that just, you know, uh, <laughs> I think you brings should. out a white yeah. glove at the beginning of, of <laughs> every game and, and runs my gloved finger over the desk in front of me and, you know, gets mad because there's dust on the desk. Right. I, that's just, I, I am so far the opposite of all that, but if that's the perception. No, no, I think, I think that's so long ago that we know that that's, that's uh, not the Joe Buck we know now. But I just, I, I, I'm looking forward to you reading the promos for Thursday Night SmackDown. I want to see how, uh, no, how hard I'm, you sell I'm it. No, I'm in. And you, you probably don't know this because, you know, I, I reside in the Midwest and St. Louis is just an afterthought or a, a flyover spot for you. But uh, wrestling was massive in St. Louis and all the great in my in my childhood right. i mean you know whether it's the von erics or dick the bruiser under the giant or all these and and it was that was my sunday morning sometimes saturday morning viewing was just plopped in front of the tv watching channel 11 uh you know do this wrestling and it, so i was a fan from way back when but i have to admit i'm gonna have to uh i would have to get uh caught up yeah I, there's been about a 20-year gap in there I'm, I can't wait to see what Fox does with it. I know that they're, they're going to do a pregame show for SmackDown. It's, uh, you're lucky you have the Thursday Night Football. They won't ask you to do the uh, SmackDown <laughs> pregame show. How, how did you like doing the two games this year? It, it seemed to work out as well as it possibly could have because you guys did get a lot of good games, even the games that maybe weren't great on paper. I remember the, uh, what was it, Titans-Jaguars, and Derrick Henry went nuts for 200 and something yards. It seemed like every yeah. Thursday either was a good game or something – really wacky happened so it turned out i think to work out pretty well how did you assess the season and doing the two games a week yeah i mean it was it was a lot more work but you know, i said this during the course of the season when people were asking me when i was doubling up on not just the football but baseball that's the way i grew up watching my dad work i mean every week not just for two months uh and not just one time over the course of whatever, however long I've been doing this for 25 years, he did this every, all the time. And so if you, if you care enough and you do the reading, you can pretty much go in and do the game and you don't have to act like you've watched every snap of, of the season when you show up in week 11, you can kind of take it for what it is. And I think it was good for Troy and me to not, dwell on a game to not leave a game on Sunday and then you start you start the process up again on Monday and you don't do another game till the next Sunday and you just chewed on this thing for so long that you miss a lot of the big stories because you're so down deep in the weeds on on what's going on with these two teams I, I I almost think it's better to kind of you know do your work we did a lot of conference calls didn't watch a ton of practice in person Troy watched his tape on his own spend one full day on each team and you go in and do the game. And I, I think that was better for the two of us. I think for him, it was great because I think he was a little looser and uh, a little more willing to have fun. And, and I'm used to that having grown up doing baseball every night, uh, you know, filling three hours and, and, you know, kind of having fun with it is, is what I prefer to do anyway. I absolutely thought Troy was looser this year. I thought he had his best year ever this year. Um, he did. And, yeah. and I, I think, I, I think he's more willing to 
and and I don't know if this is just because the you know he decided this at the start of the year or if doing all these games kind of took the defense away from him, but I think he's just been way more willing to say what he feels and, you know, whether it's about officiating, which both he and I, you know, I think sometimes it goes too far or, and, and I'm guilty of that too, because I think the fan at home, the call is what it is and you move on or it's, it's about, you know, somebody not having a a great game or somebody having a great game and, and going down that path. I just think the whole thing felt better, and, and I thought he was at his best uh, all year long. Yeah, and I feel he's flown under the radar the past couple of seasons, I think, because Romo came on last year as the rookie and was the darling, and rightfully so. He was tremendous. And then this year ESPN went with the new booth, and that got a lot of attention. Um, but Troy, like you said, um, he does seem like he's taken off any reins he had at any point and is uh, willing to go. Now, I'm glad you mentioned the refs because I wanted to bring that up. Um Al Michaels on Sunday said something as bold as you're going to hear an NFL broadcaster say after a bad call. And he said, yes, are the refs just making things up as they go along right now? I'm curious um, if you make remarks like that, do you hear from the NFL is not going to contact you, but they'll contact Fox executives. Does that go on ever? If you take some shots at the refs? Yeah, I have not experienced that. Um, I'm not naive, and I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. Um, You know, I I remember when I was a kid, and I I was in the booth with my dad, and I was was doing the Cardinals when I was 21, and I was next to my dad. He and I were broadcast partners for, I don't know, seven or eight years on the radio. And I remember when I would get on a home plate umpire from the booth about, you know, borderline pitch and so-and-so doesn't get the call again. And I'm starting to lean into the, onto the side of being overly critical of the umpire. He would kind of give me a look out of the corner of his eye, like that's enough. And it was really the only thing that, that he critiqued me on. And it was just a look when we were broadcast partners, when I was in my early twenties and watching saved by the bell. And I, I, I was aware that I I think it's, I think it's valid. I mean, I, I don't think that Troy's criticism, my criticism, even Al's criticism, and and I'm not going to speak for him. I, I don't think it's so much that it's criticizing the guys on the field that are doing their best. And I think a really tough environment, uh, with, with all that's put on them. Uh, I think it's more about what's put on them. I think it's more about kind of the rule changes and, and trying to determine whether a defender's landing on a quarterback with, with all of his body weight and how you avoid that. And it, it's made it, I think, really tricky for these officials. And it's something that I, I, Mike Pereira is in our booth now every week. We talk about it all the time. The officials are in a really tough spot. I, I don't think even Al's uh, explanation or what he said, I, I think it's more about the environment and how difficult it's become with with the depth of that rule book and, and how every rule seems to have an exception and where you put the ball and does the clock start. And it just becomes, you know, like legalese. And, right. and it, it really disrupts the flow of a broadcast. But I've never... I've never experienced uh, any anybody from the league calling me on on anything I've said or or Eric Shanks, you know, being the conduit right. for that happening. See, I mean, the issue is 
there's going to be blown calls. It's part of life. You're never going to prevent that. It's when they're getting the call wrong after re- after a 10-minute replay where nobody knows what's going on. That's what the issue, and I, that was what Al was critiquing as well. And it does seem like it's become a worse problem. It doesn't help too when they're blowing the whistle and teams are getting robbed of touchdowns and stuff like that. It, it's not an easy job, like you said. Well, in that specific case, though, to be fair to those guys in the league, they got the call right. And, and I think what didn't help the situation was when they went to Terry in the booth and, and he was, you know, confused or didn't have it correctly. I, I immediately got on the phone with Mike Pereira just because I was watching as a fan. We did the game Saturday night and he, Mike said, it's a simple rule. You know, if there is no clear recovery in the case of that uh, fumble right. on the reception, then if the ball doesn't get recovered, uh, clearly, or if it doesn't immediately go out of bounds, then you have to stick with the original call. And, and so they actually got it right. And, and you know, so some of that frustration, if I'm Al Riveron or I'm the league, I go, well, wait a minute, you know, yeah, there are times where we're, we're, uh, we're ripe uh, for being criticized, but that, that just wasn't one of them. I feel like also Al Michaels is in that position where, you know, he's 74 years old. He, he knows he can pretty much do whatever he wants. Uh, do you feel like you're in that position yet? <laughs> I, I'm not. God, no. He is. And You'll you're be right. there. Uh, You'll yeah, be there. I, I'm in the position of let's go down that road right. and, uh, you know, see how long it takes to get fired. And, and <laughs> to him, I, I just don't, I don't think he thinks that way. And I think he's earned that. And I think he's seen enough football, uh, called enough games. He's, he's felt the flow of games. He knows what feels right and what feels off. And, and when, you know, an offside on a defensive lineman takes too long to get uh, announced and then penalized with regard to yardage, I think it frustrates him. I think it frustrates right. everybody. He just, you know, he, he's got a little more uh, leash, a lot more leash than any of us because he is who he is. Now, listen, you've been at Fox a very long time. Did you read the recent piece? It was from Bill Simmons' website, uh, The Ringer. Brian Curtis wrote it. I had him on this podcast a few weeks ago about... He did an oral history of Fox getting the NFL from CBS. Did you read the piece? I did. It was tremendous, I, I thought. Um, He's unbelievable. He And, and I, yeah. I like him. He did a piece on me, and it was, I, I think, fair. Um, and, and I'm not saying that if, if you know, it was some hatchet job, I wouldn't have read it. <laughs> but, you know, I think he's a really talented guy. I think he's a well-meaning uh, writer, yeah. and, and I think he wants to get it right. And I, I think that the depth... And the detail with that was in that article was was mind blowing to me. And I was there. I mean, I was, you know, I wasn't there prior to March of '94 when I went out for the audition. But I can tell you everything from that point forward that I was aware of or involved in, he nailed. So right. I, it was great. I just realized I asked you a very stupid question because I asked if you read it and you were in it. You were part of the oral history, so that was done by me. But I loved that article so much. I had Brian on to to talk about it. Uh, one and I think he hit the nail on the head in that some of us I almost forget that Fox started out with Madden and Summerall uh, because we feel like you and Troy have just done it so long now. Do you do you um, do you feel like the elder statesman at, at Fox, even though you're not old, because you've been there no, a long time? It's weird. Yeah. It's I think I need to see a therapist because I <laughs> I got into this business not just at Fox. I was 24, about to be 25. I got hired at Fox, but I was, as I said earlier, 21 when I was doing the Cardinals and I was around 
professional sports. I mean, I was everywhere with my dad when he took me to every National League city by the time I was 12. He liked having me around. So I, I always looked up to all these other announcers. I looked up to all these other players and coaches and general managers. And, and so now at 49, even though I, I don't think I'm in the category of old, I'm getting there, uh, midlife, whatever it is, I still look at players, GMs, head coaches, that are way younger than me, I still look at them as older than me. Right. And, I, and I think I'm, I'm still apologetic for things I say, thinking that, you know, well, me as the, as the young kid new to this thing, I, I shouldn't be having that opinion. And yet, I don't know, I, I've, been, I've been at Fox, uh, you know, for, for 25 years. And so uh, I, I don't know why that is in my head. But I don't know that it'll ever be different. I'll, I'll like probably go into a game with a walker uh, yeah. and and you know yeah. oxygen as I'm getting ready to do the game and think that the starting quarterback is older than I am, and that just that just shows I guess how dumb I am. Really. No, I think it's uh, I think it's all accurate because I think I think Brian did such a good job with it's like, watching a game with you and Troy now is an afterthought. We've, you guys are this standard now. Romo's only in it a year or two, two years, you know, Alan, Chris, I think the Sunday night thing is different from the Sunday after that Sunday, four twenty five has really become the money game. Um, I know they have the flex in the Sunday night, but if you're, if you're the diehard every week in and out, every game, Sunday, four twenty five is the special time. I think. Yeah, I agree with that. And and then you think of, you know, whatever constitutes a generation, the, like the dictionary right. definition of a generation, I think is 20 years. So we're, we're coming up on that here for Troy and me. And, and at the beginning, you know, I'm sure people don't even remember that it was Troy, Chris Collinsworth and me. Right, right. And so the three of us took over for Madden and Summerall uh, in 2002. And then we went through 2004, which was our first Super Bowl year. And then Chris left after that. So we did three together uh, that way. And then, you know, Troy and I are the second longest running, not just currently, but I think ever. So, you know, we don't think of it that way. Right. I know he doesn't. When somebody told us that, uh, and, and he saw it on Twitter, that we are now number two to Madden and Summerall all time in games. And I think at some wow. point we were 100 behind. So we're now less than 100 behind. Uh, that that was a that was stunning to me, yeah. and I think blew him away that we've been at it longer, really, than anybody but two guys. That is amazing, huh? I did not know that. Wow, could be wrong. No, I no, I mean, Twitter. So I'm thinking about it in my head. I mean, no, I, I'm sure whoever put that out there, I'm, he didn't get that from, uh, you know, some. I mean, I don't know who tracks that. I don't know who would keep track of how many games Band and Summerall did together. But oh, it's not hard. Whatever to it is, yeah. Troy and I have been at it long enough to where I know what he's going to say before he says it. He knows what I'm going to say before I say it. I know when he's got something he wants to get in. He knows when I'm itching to go. And and there are times where I'll put my arm out or or we'll get in our ears. Shut up. And it's like let's lay out. Let's let it happen. And nobody gets offended. And that's right. That's the best thing. That's what I, I think the new groups, it's what we experienced in golf, you know, four years ago, that you, when you're all new, no, nobody really totally trusts the other person. I have that now with Paul Azinger. Uh We didn't have that a couple of years ago. And I think, you know, for, for uh, Witten and, and the guys at, at Monday Night Football, it, it is a high-pressure job. And when you don't know where the other person is on on you know, who's in your foxhole kind of thing, 
it's 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 unnerving. And yeah. I think it's harder now than ever to break into this business. I, I think, you know, Witten has been way better than people give him credit for. And it is not easy. It is not easy to come off the field, put on a headset, have somebody tell you in your ear what they're doing, look into a camera, uh, you know, go through a replay, be succinct and, and get it in before the next play. People just think that's simple, and, and it's it's not because if it was, you know, there, this there would be a lot more churn in this business, right. and, and there really isn't because at that level, it's a hard thing to do. Well, Witten had a lot going against him. I mean, giving him a three man booth was, I think, a mistake. Two man booth is always so much better, and then of course they had Booger McFarlane on the crane. So how are you supposed to, you know, generate some chemistry and not step on each other's toes? And then on top of that, I mean, they're giving him a standalone game each week, number one game for. Monday night instead of, you know, maybe even you started out with Tim Green is probably what the third or fourth team on Fox. They put him right yeah, in the spotlight. Exactly. So it, it, he had a lot going against him. So if you, and, and, and it, and doing it the year after Romo, which was this aberration, it was all stacked against him. So I, I, I have sympathy for him from that standpoint. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. And, and I, I really, all of that I agree with, um, but I, I just think he's better than people realize, and yeah. I think he could be really, really good. It's just going to take time. And I, and I think this business now more than ever, especially with the knee-jerk reactions on Twitter or, you know, what's worse than that are bosses who listen to or read the knee-jerk reactions on Twitter. If that were the case at Fox, you know, I used to work for David Hill. David Hill didn't need anybody, whether it's an unnamed person on Twitter or another network executive to tell him what he should think was good. Right. And, and, and that's why those guys are in and, and women are in those positions. They're the ones making the calls, but it, it really, it really hits at your confidence and your security when you know all that's buzzing around out there. Uh, you know, I, I admire Jason for, for plugging through. And again, I, I, I've said it privately to a lot of people in this business, I, I think he, I think he's way better than people understand, and I, I think it's way harder than people get. And I think he's really going to be really good as long as they stick with him. Well, I've said this a million times. I probably said it to you the last time you're on the podcast. If if you're a play-by-play guy or an analyst doing games and you check Twitter, you're insane, and you should be put in an institution. Yeah, I mean, it's just a no win, and, no and win. I think no win, and, and it's and I'm not, and it's not even really bad. I I think the beauty of it is is that people care. It, that's kind of a way people in a roundabout way show that they care. I if if you did a game, if I did a game, and if Troy did a game, you know, Troy gets all the Dallas fans that think he hates the Cowboys, and then I get all the you know the baseball stuff that I've pissed off every. Well, fan you hate every team, right? You hate every team. Yeah, I, I mean, I've done it so long now. Hmm. 21 World Series or whatever the number is that, that I, I've made everybody mad because I'm jumping around screaming for the other side winning. It's just if you go down that rabbit hole, it's not going to be pretty. But at least it at least people care, and and I that's way better than doing it and and nobody makes a peep. That that would be. That'd be way more disappointing that, and unnerving than people saying, "Oh, you hate my team." Because you're not rooting for him, that, uh, you know that's pretty simple to understand. That's a very half full. I've been through therapy. Answer right there. Oh, yeah, I, <laughs> trust me. I've kept uh, three therapists well uh, well compensated because of Twitter in my life. Yes. the The last time I had you, I spoke to you on a podcast. You had said that you you may see a day 
where you stop doing MLB and continue with NFL. Where does Joe Buck stand on that January 2019? Um, you know what, what? I don't know that it changed, but I, I think I, I, I sat back and realized how much I enjoy working with John so much on baseball. Um, I, I think I'm being real realistic there, though. I, I think that at some point, you know, I'm probably stupid, or I was. I was selling a book at the time when when I really started talking about it, and I'd just come off a season, so I was tired. But, you know, I'm willing right now to call timeout or hit the eject button and be done, and I've done 20 times more than I ever hoped I would do. So I, I'm playing with house money that way. And at some point, you know, my wife and I, are we have twin boys that are eight. I've right. got 22-year-old girl, 19-year-old girl, and two zero-year-old boys. <laughs> At some point, as I get older and as they get older, I'm going to have to pare things down. And right. going through this last year the way I went through it, which was fun, great, and I wouldn't trade it for anything, at some point that's not going to be sustainable. So something's going to have to go. Or Fox is going to say, hey, we're sick of you. We've got five other guys that we can't wait Excuse me to, to, to hear do the World Series. That I would have no... I, I'm, I'm so lucky, so I, I will see where it goes. I'm signed for the next four, and uh, you know, with these boys, I'm worried about this weekend, right. let alone you know five years from now. So I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm all content. So it'll be four and done. That's my prediction. Just okay. About that. <laughs> all right, <done. laughs> thanks, Jimmy. Uh, all right, let, let's talk a little Rams Cowboys. Um, so you get the Cowboys in there, which Fox is doing a dance over. And uh, you get the L.A. market. But that that's going to be a Cowboy home game, am I right? Boy, I, I tell you, with the clips that I've read, and, and I didn't really realize or put two and two together, but with them having trained in Oxnard for right, all those years, right, right. Uh, you know, I, I, and then I, I went on and, and, you know, tried to look up exactly where Oxnard is right next to where they train, where the Rams train. And so when we talked to McVeigh, or I did the last time, uh, our group had them back-to-back weeks. I didn't do the game against Green Bay. I was doing the World Series, but we talked to him the next week, and he said, Joe, you were busy doing the World Series, and you know we're having to do silent count in our home stadium. Yep. And that was against Green Bay, and I, I think it's going to be a lot of the same yep. for the Dallas Cowboys. So, so to me, as a play-by-play guy, that's like heaven. When you know there's going to be noise at the end of every play, no matter what yeah. happens, right. That makes my job easy, but yeah, I, I think it's, I don't know, 50-50, but there's going to be a lot of Cowboy fans. There. Well, I think it's going to be like 60-40 Cowboy fans there. It's been, really? That Packer game, I remember watching it well, thanks to a wager. Um, it was, there were more Packers fans in that building than Rams fans for that game. Could, yeah, well, I'll send Aaron into the seats, or mm-hmm. Meyer. Myers is better for that. I'll send yeah. Chris Myers in to just count, and, and we'll, get a, <laughs> we'll get a tally at the end. I feel like uh, the Rams have sort of flown under the radar the past month. They did not play well there last maybe two thirds of the season. They picked it up the last couple of weeks. I have. I feel like they've flown under the radar, and they might surprise some people Saturday. Um, what's your take on the Rams? Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I mean, I, I think at some point there's a chance where we all sit back midway through the second quarter or at the end of the first half and go, oh, yeah, these guys are really, really good. Uh, and, and they showed it for the majority of the year. I mean, they've got, obviously, the the new prototype coach. They've got a quarterback that took another major leap forward. The problem is they didn't have Gurley the last two weeks. 
and their defense was not what I think we all thought it would be coming into the year with all those former first-round picks, and they had Sue, and then they added Fowler during the year, the two corners, Peters and Tlaib. Uh, but there are still pieces there, and they've got a coordinator who knows how to win playoff games and the Super Bowl. So, I, yeah, I, I think the odds are better that we are reminded how good they are uh, as opposed to, you know, it, it's more of the same with the way they finish the year. But if Gurley's not right, I mean, who knows? Right, right. Who knows how serious the knee is that caused him to, to miss the last two games and be off in essence three weeks? Then we'll see. Uh, but if he's right, they're really freaking good. Exactly. I I have a feeling people are not paying uh, as much attention to them as they should. You do you have the Super Bowl next year? Yes. That's, yeah. CBS has it this year. What it, when it's a season like this? Now, obviously, it's a different year for you because you did the Thursday night game. That was the first year you're doing two games a week. But in a season like this, where you don't have the Super Bowl, do you feel at this time of the year? Oh, damn, I wish I was calling it. Or are you like, oh, I'm glad my season's over after next week and I've had enough? Well, I've done enough of them now yeah. that I, I, I think that I've got it pretty much figured out. When I'm not doing it, it pisses me off. And I think, <laughs> God, I wish I was doing it because we've done all these games. And then you get to the very last one that means the most with the biggest audience and you're not doing it. So the two years when we're not doing it, yeah, it bothers me that we're not doing it. The right. year that we do it, by the time they kick off, I think, God, I'm glad I only do this one once every three years because it's 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 intense right. and you've got that time off and you've got storylines and uh, you know interviews and all that other stuff that and then you got to try to be perfect on the biggest stage in the world and that's impossible in a live event uh, with with a hundred plus million people watching. It's kind of like the the old you know whatever you do don't look down you look down or hey this plate's really hot don't touch it yeah. when you start letting it get into your mind that over 100 million people are watching you do an on camera and picking apart you know your hair or your tie or your face or your forehead or whatever it might be <laughs> you can you can get absolutely locked up and yeah. and so by the end of that thing it's like oh thank god we got through it uh and I, I'm I'm glad personally. I'm glad it's it's once every three years. Yeah, it, it is. The pressure on that game is tremendous with, with all those people watching. What if you like? You said you've been doing this a long time now, baseball and football. If I asked you, what do you think? And don't give me the oh, I don't know. I've never thought about it. What do you think is the greatest call of your career? Um. Besides botching, I think the Ball one Gossler's that we talked. Name. I think the one that we talked about last year, which was the Diggs call. Yep. Um, and I say that only because in baseball, you know, it's I don't want to say it's predictable, but when like David Freeze hit the home run in Game Six in 2011, there's a progression there, and you kind of build, and you can watch the flight of the ball, you can see the reaction of the center fielder and you know it's gone, and then you're kind of going to that moment where you make the call. And and baseball kind of lends itself to that. That was one of the few walk-off moments in football, and it was breathtaking because, as we said last year, you're, you're trained to think as a player, I would imagine, but certainly as an announcer, okay, there's three seconds left. If he makes the catch, he's got to get out of bounds so they have a chance to kick the field goal, and he spun around and nobody was there. And then he scored the touchdown. And right. so that, that was the breathtaking 
moment is it was like, oh, well, there's not going to be a field goal. This game's over. And, and you, you state it and you, you, you know, scream that the Vikings win and then you be quiet and let the director do his thing. But I think all in for a walk-off moment like that, uh, that was one that I don't think I'll forget. Yeah, it was. I thought that was as good as quality. I mean, I, everyone remembers, and rightfully so, the one where you paid homage to your dad, and we'll see you tomorrow night. But the digs was was a phenomenal call. Well, the the, the see you tomorrow night was at the end of 2011 yeah. when I had a paralyzed vocal cord, and I had easily the worst year, not of my career, uh, in some ways, my life, but but easily the worst year of any network announcer in the history of network announcers. Could not have been worse. I sounded like I was dying. I, it was painful to listen to. I can't even go back and listen to highlights. And I won the Emmy that year, uh, which was my seventh, and I'm, I'm assuming final one, uh, true, going the way this whole thing's trending, that, that I, I won it literally on one call. And hmm. It was basically a ripoff call from my dad. So, in essence, my dad won that Emmy in 2011, and I just was able to survive. My voice was still screwed up when I made that call, but yeah. I was somehow able to squeak out the call. But, uh, yeah, it, that was not a humble brag. That was a way of me saying, that call, you're right, people remembered, certainly in St. Louis uh, and in Texas. But it, it was, it, I don't know, that, that year sucked, and, and I was just glad to be done with it. Yeah. Uh, my personal favorite was the 96 World Series when Charlie Hayes caught the ball. The Yankees are champions of baseball. That's only because I'm a diehard Yankee fan. But my producer's a Met fan. He's got your Benny Agbayani 2000 versus the Giants home run. But the <laughs> Diggs, Diggs was the best home run call of your career by far, I think. Well, uh, well not only you know, the Charlie, yeah. the, I know, the, the Charlie Hayes thing, though, that, that was one where I didn't think about what I was going to say before right. I said it. And, and it was like, oh. Holy shit! I just called the end of a World Series at Yankee <laughs> Stadium, and it came out, and it sounded like other people who used to do it. So and, and that, it, that was like that was a good moment. And it was before everyone hated the Yankees, so it was a little, it was it was special back then too. That was before they started buying everyone. Yeah, Tory had been through, yeah. you know, losing his, uh, I think his, his brother, and, you know, his brother yeah. or his brother Rocco had died, and then Frank had gone through a heart transplant. Yep. I mean, it it was like the most emotional, feel good. Oh, how good is Derek Jeter? Uh, time and you're right. I mean, it was that was a really cool stretch there with the Yankees and Red Sox that uh, I guess went through 2004. Yep. Uh, when, when do you? Uh, uh, where are you now? What what state are you? Are you you're in California right now? Uh, no, St. Louis. St. Louis. St. Louis. When do you go to California for the game? I am going on Thursday, Thursday. evening. Right, and then you get the set. Do you Saturday night, Sunday afternoon? Do you care about that? Does it make a difference to you? No, I mean, you're right, though, with what you said earlier. I, I think, it, you know, you see these ratings over the playoffs and you realize the power of the late Sunday window. Yeah. And, and it's, it, it is the number one spot. But I, I think, you know, they kind of left it up to us, I think, in some ways. And it just felt like Cowboys-Rams just, right. just has a, a feel to it. Like, man, I know it's Saturday night, but, God, that, it's just it has the potential of being a, a spectacle uh We'll see. I mean, usually they don't live up to that, but right, right. at least going in, that's what it feels like. Well, we'll all be watching. I appreciate you coming on. We'll all be waiting for that next Mark Paul Gosler promo. The pressure is on. Hosselar. Yeah. You should say it that way, just, to, just to drive everyone crazy. 
I know. But, I mean, if if you're not trying to get a Twitter reaction, you're not trying. I'm just I'm just glad you watch Save. The main concern from people on Twitter was that you had never seen Save by the Bell. That was what which people, is insane, right? And that's of all the things that pissed me off about the whole thing, right? Not the least of which was doing a three and a half hour live broadcast, <laughs> and then that's the one thing that's talked about is the the you know inference that I didn't watch Saved by the Bell. My right. God. I mean, I was 20. I, I guess I was a little old, but, you know, what the hell? Yeah, because then I started thinking, like, okay, let's say, you know, Jason Priestley was in the stands. Would Joe know how to say his name? I mean, you got to know the legends. you got to the legends. you got to know the legends. Absolutely. Yeah. I would even know that it's Ian Zeering. There you go. Ian. There you go. Okay. That's redemption right there. All right, Joe. Okay. Appreciate it. Have fun on Saturday night, and thanks a lot for coming on. Anytime. All right. Thanks. Take care. All right. My thanks to Joe Buck. Before we get to Jim Ross for a little tribute to Mean Gene Okerlund, let me tell the SI Media Podcast listeners out there that this edition of the podcast is sponsored by Audible. Could listening make you a better parent, a better leader, and even a better person? Could listening to motivating fitness programs get you fit? Could listening inspire you to start something new? There's never been a better time to start listening on Audible. With Audible, you get access to an unbeatable selection of audiobooks, including bestsellers, motivation, mysteries, thrillers, memoirs, and more. Audible has the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet now. And now with Audible Originals, the selection has gotten even more custom with content made for members. I cannot wait to check out Alan Sepinwall's new book, The Soprano Sessions on Audible. The uh, SI Media Podcast listeners out there know that Seppenwall was on the program last week to talk about The Office. He has that Sopranos book, Soprano Sessions. It just came out this week, and uh, it is the perfect book for Audible. So let me tell you what you should do. Audible members can choose three titles every month, one audiobook, and two Audible originals that you can't hear anywhere else. Audible members also get access to exclusive audio fitness programs to start the new year off on the right foot. Listen on any device, anytime, anywhere, at home, at the gym, on your commute, or just on the go. You'll also enjoy easy audiobook exchanges, rollover credits, and an audiobook library you keep forever, even if you cancel. Audible, the most inspiring minds, the most compelling stories, the best place to listen. Get started with a 30-day trial when you go to audible.com slash media, or you can text the word media to 500500. And listen for a change. Once again, 30-day trial, audible.com slash media, or text the word media to 500-500. Audible.com slash media, or text media to 500-500. Audible. And now, let's go to Jim Ross as we reminisce about the great Mean Gene Okerlund. All right, joining me now, one of my all-time favorites from the wrestling world, the greatest wrestling play-by-play man ever, and the host of the JR Report every Wednesday for you podcast listeners out there, good old Jim Ross. Jim, how are you? I'm great. Great. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Uh, wish I was having you on just to talk wrestling, but I wanted to pay a little tribute here to Mean Gene. Um, you know, my age, I think Triple H said it best in a tweet, the soundtrack of a, of a generation, certainly the soundtrack when I was a little kid. And then obviously you took over, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, when I was in my 20s there with the WWE, but uh, Mean Gene uh, in the 80s for sure was the voice, I guess along with Vince and, and Bobby Heenan. Um, how, how close were you to Gene throughout the years? Oh, we were, we were great friends. Yeah. Uh, I met Gene in 1993 when I came to work for uh, Vince. 
uh, from WCW. And uh, Gene, Bobby Heenan, and Gorilla Monsoon were three of the guys that understood territories, understood uh, the psychology of wrestling and, and the, the uh, dynamic of working for a wrestling company, especially in the territory days. So while others in the company were not as warm to welcome the enemy from WCW to their team, uh, Monsoon, Heenan, and, and Mean Gene were right there at my side. Broke a lot of ground for me, and uh, uh, unbeknownst at the time, but I found out over, over time that you know they, they, they kind of negotiated peace with some people there that thought that I was there to take Oakland or take uh, – monsoon's job or whatever mm-hmm. uh you know i was just looking for work so right. uh, gene has been instrumental in my whole wwe development uh from day one so i just gene was gene could be everybody's best buddy and uh, no exaggeration he he would be great on a, to go into a ball game he'd be great sitting at a bar talking football he, he's great talking the business or or, or business in general life uh, real estate. He's a very shrewd businessman. Uh, so I, I always, uh, I love being around him and I can, I can see casting a movie where it's a buddy film. Mm-hmm. And if he had Oakland available, he's the perfect buddy mm-hmm. to be in a buddy movie. Well, those... he's just that guy, that guy, you just couldn't stand to be, to, to not be around. He was your, he was your friend. And the more you can be around him and laugh and be enlightened, uh, the better off you were. He he was outstanding in those famous famous vignettes with Hulk Hogan, where Hulk and him are training, and Mean Gene's there. Yeah, and the, the the beauty of that to me was the fact that they had a basic outline of what they were going to try to accomplish in the in the in the taping of those segments, those vignettes that you mentioned. Uh, but they didn't have a script. They didn't have. They didn't memorize lines. Right. Uh, I doubt very seriously if uh, knowing Gene and Hogan as I do, there's probably very minimal rehearsal, i.e., none. <laughs> so uh, they worked through it, and they felt it, and they worked off each other and the moment that they were in, and produced some really good material, which is lacking today because, as you know, I said before on my on Twitter and so forth that. I believe the business right now is being overproduced right. and it's not allowing potential big time breakthrough stars to grow uh, as rapidly as they did in previous generations. And Gene helped foster all that. He knew his role as a broadcaster. He was the point guard. His job was to get the ball to the stars, i.e. to get the main event guys and the other talents over. Right. And he did that better than anybody. And so did you. Um, and it, it, it's interesting. It was like the two different eras there. And I was, when I heard that Mean Gene had passed, I was wondering, I was very curious for the reaction to it because, you know, he, like I said, I, I misread it from this standpoint. I know when I think Mean Gene, I think 80s Hulk Hogan, WWF. And I sort of undervalued or maybe um, misread how many people would know him from the WCW days. But I guess he was there a pretty long time. And, I'm surprised how many people knew him from that job. Well, they were getting at one point there, you know, 83 weeks in a row, they, they were kicking our ass. So, right. Uh, they were getting numbers, uh, powerful numbers. And yeah. he was all over the television. He came there with a lot of name identity. 
uh, and was famous when he got there. Yeah. And he didn't miss a beat. You know, I think Gene got caught up in a thing in WWE that, you know, the, uh, the sense of getting younger, uh, the sense of, uh, where looks and you are more valued than our is experience and talent. Right. Cause I remember, uh, our deal from what I was told that, you know, uh, Gene's contract was not going to be renewed at WWE and Vince, uh, didn't tell anybody that other than Gene. So that allowed Gene to go negotiate with a little bit of leverage. Okay. Words, right. Right. You know, it was the right thing to do for, right. for, for Vince and Gene took advantage of it and signed a very lucrative deal because, uh, even though WWE was officially not in the picture, but nobody knew that. Right. So, and then he came back and he's been back at WWE ever since. Right. Hey, look, for the guy to be on television all these years, man, under very discerning eyes anymore, HD, <laughs> you know, everybody's got to be cute and pretty. You know, I'm a, I, I feel a little bit of part of that, uh, that calamity as well. Right. Uh, in my, my back nine of life. But, you know, Gene was, Gene, I saw Gene at Thanksgiving in North Carolina at a big uh, wrestling fans convention mm-hmm. called WrestleCade. And uh, we spent two days together, Friday night and, and Friday and Friday night and then Saturday. Uh, and uh, we drank and we had, uh, you know, we talked and, you know, he was uh, slower. He slowed down a lot, but, you know, he said he'd, he'd, he was trying to get healthier. You know, all those, uh, I guess he had, what, he had a liver transplant, two or three of those. I'm not sure. I mean, seriously, I, he, had, he had multiple transplants. Mm-hmm. And so he's always battling something, right. uh, but he didn't sell it. He wasn't, he wasn't like going on Facebook or, or <laughs> Twitter and talking about how bad he feels today. Right. That wasn't Gene. Right. That, was his, that wasn't his game plan. Gotcha. So uh, I, I saw him, in, like I said, Thanksgiving. I'm glad I got to spend Thanksgiving with him. And, uh, and we celebrated my Sooners beating West Virginia that weekend, I remember. Right. Uh, in Morgantown. Big ball game. Yep. And... And Gene and I, it's one of the things we always, uh, we always uh, had in common. We both love football, especially college football. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a Nebraska guy. Yeah. And I'm a Sooner, so enough said. You know, there's <laughs> college football in everybody's DNA in that, in that uh, little situation. Absolutely. It's such an interesting dichotomy because you mentioned about Vince, and it does seem like Vince is always looking to get younger and, and on-camera people, wrestlers, talent, get younger, get younger. But – there, there is no audience. I don't care what sport you're talking about, baseball, football. No one has more uh, fondness for nostalgia than wrestling fans. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's an interesting, uh, what's the word I'm looking for there? It's, it's two things going against each other, basically. Yeah, it's, it's frustrating. You know, I, I'm a, and maybe it's my ego. And, it very, and you know, people, my close friends and people I have worked with and for, Price. Oh yeah, Jr.'s got a big ego. Uh, when you're chubby, southern, and three bouts of facial paralysis, mm. if you don't have any self confidence or quote unquote ego in their verbiage, right. uh, you're dead in the water. Ain't gonna make it. So uh, that was Gene and I both had that same competitive nature. You know, older ball guy. Right. You know, uh, so those great pipes, and he wanted to compete. He wanted to stay in the game. Yeah. And, uh, I can, I can relate to that a hundred percent because there's a certain part of you, depending on how you're wired, that 
you realize that when you start getting phased out, that somebody else on the outside looking in sees a different verdict for you than you perceive yourself. Right. I don't want to be taken out of the game or turn my jersey in mm-hmm. and not not be in the game anymore whatsoever because that's me conceding that, well, some of you naysayers are right. I need to get my ass at home and sit in my chair and, and uh, you know, don't drool. Right. But that's not how I'm playing my game. That's not the game of life to me. No, you got to keep going. And it certainly was the gene because we talked about this very topic uh, over a couple of cocktails on Friday night in, uh, in Winston-Salem, uh, the Friday night before Thanksgiving. The exact topic of yeah. wanting to stay in the game, to stay relevant, to, stay, to have a purpose, to have a direction, to have somewhere to go, so to speak. And, uh, and since his death, I've, it's really hit me in the face, that whole deal. So yeah. I think maybe, uh, you know, God bless him. I love him. And, uh, but maybe that's motivated me to be a little bit more structured and to have a plan for 2019 to stay in the damn game. Well, you've stayed in it with the, uh, the Ross report that, that podcast has been going on a long, long time. Has it not? It's, you, you've been doing that for a long time. Yes. It's a, uh, I, I enjoy it because I enjoy it because, uh, it's unedited, right? And it's under. I don't write a script. I write bullet points, and I I enjoy the interaction with my guests uh, and the various people that we have on, you know, about in their in their lives. The one common denominator, Jimmy, is that all my guests have some degree of respect for the wrestling business uh, and are fans of the business or are are in the business in some way. Yeah. But there's a positive feeling between my guests. And the genre that we've all battled, you know, the uh, being fat shamed, you know, how many of us are that are wrestling fans? And when it goes public in your little group of buddies, uh, how many of us have endured ridicule and teasing because you watch that damn stuff? Oh, you know, it's fake. Yeah, I also know that John Wayne wasn't a cowboy. But I right. watched every one of those damn westerns like 10 times each. Right. So I don't know what, what you're, what's your point. Right. Uh, it's a it's a presentation as we both know. So, but Gene and I had that had that stuff in common. You know, we we were two guys that really weren't supposed to make it as long as we did. And, and you I and, think that's just. I'm sorry, good. No, no, I just I just think that that was it's something that of our generation and the way we got in the business. Both those guys, radio guys in the beginning and things like that, not making any money, and and to, to last this long as a non wrestler in the wrestling business is very, very rare. Yeah. And I thought you and Gene, I think it's, I think it's probably the most underrated show that WWE has done. If, if my listeners out there are not familiar with this and you're a wrestling fan, go on the WWE network and uh, search for legends of wrestling. It's a round table, <laughs> yeah. round table panel show, one topic for each episode. And Jr. and Gene are on pretty much every episode. Uh, I think it's an excellent show. I've, I've always been surprised that WD didn't promote it more. Uh, did you enjoy doing that show with Gene a lot? Oh, he loved it. And, yeah. it, and you know, it was, it was great for him, too, because that was a great role for him, that, back to that point guard analogy. Yeah. You know, he was just really terrific at uh, throwing the ball around and, and follow-up questions and things of that nature. It was, it, was, it was a lot of fun and so easy to produce. Right. Uh, so... I would think, I don't know if anything's inexpensive to produce, but I wouldn't believe it's overwhelmingly expensive uh, to do those shows. But boy, I, I had a lot, lot, I had a lot of fun doing them. And like you said, and you're right, wrestling fans like nostalgia. 
and that show filled the void, checked a lot of boxes. Yeah. And I, I had a lot of fun. I wish they'd bring it back. You know, give me you a, too. a project to work on there. That'd be fun. I, I would, please, I would love for that to come back. I thought it was so well done and, and really enjoyed it, uh, every episode of it. Um, tell, tell the listeners out there who may not know, especially younger ones, how important was Gene to getting Hulk Hogan over and, and helping out his popularity in those early WWF days back then? Well, Hogan was, uh, got over for a lot of reasons, but he had great charisma, uh, as we all know, and he stood out in the crowd, as we all know, and his, uh, his, his verbalizing was never, uh, an oratory. It wasn't a rehearsed, uh, in the prompter, uh, type scenario. He went on guts and instinct and he and Gene worked very well together and to go on guts and instinct. You got to be very careful, uh, very uh, comfortable with your with your 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 broadcast guy, your partner, the stick man, which is what Gene was. So, uh, and Hogan had a hundred percent confidence in in Gene that Gene was going to set him up the right way, and somewhere along that journey, that Gene that uh, excuse me, Hogan stumbled, or he had a look on his face like I'm I'm, I'm a little bit lost here. Oakland was able to discern that. And, and and throw in the throw in the, uh, the you know you know the uh, the life preserver so mm-hmm. to speak. Right. He saved a lot of interviews, and that helped in the early days of Hogan getting that really that that uh, that rat down that he did forever. Uh, you know he he Oakland helped get him there. Oakland helped prepare him to to be a verbalizing uh, master. And, you know, because Hogan was not going to go out there and give you 10 minutes of, verb, of, of verbiage. Right. He was a sound, he was a soundbite guy. Right. If you're a soundbite guy, you got to have a great setup man. Because the setup man has got to give all the nuts and bolts so that the soundbite guy can only deliver the sizzle. Hmm. So Gene delivered the steak and Hogan delivered the sizzle. To me, it's that simple. Yeah. And then you also had Hogan, of course, every feud he had back then was through someone with Bobby Heenan and there's no one better on, on the mic than him. So. Right. Everything. This had, he had great talents that were allowed to be themselves. Right. By and large, they all had direction. Everybody got produced, but they did get as produced as, as definitively as many of the talents today seemingly are. And I think that's a, that takes away from me. The, the finished product, at least in my view. So I don't know if you want to reveal this. If you don't, you don't have to. But when you were doing Raw, let's say through the Attitude Era, was Vince in your ear throughout the entire Monday Night Raw? Were you, how heavily produced were you during that time? Uh, not as produced as the folklore has it. Okay. Uh, he got. Well, he was very aggressive. Right. Because he's very passionate. Right. You know, uh, and there's not a job there that he doesn't believe that he, he's not very good at. Right. He's, he's uh, pr- probably right. You know, he's, he was the greatest, Vince McMahon was the greatest villain in the Attitude Era. Right. That was a blessing in disguise for Lawler and me because when he was this top villain, uh, he was busy doing other things, pre-tapes and getting ready for segments or matches or whatever. Ah. So uh, we didn't have as much of his direction. Gotcha. We yeah. got it before the show. Right. And then when he, when he was not as busy as Mr. McMahon, and he was producing the show, he would only depend on how things went. If he sometimes, if a segment didn't go as well as he had hoped, and it was it was presented in one way by the creative people, and it, was, it came off another, sometimes he needed somebody to vent to. 
Right. And sometimes that guy was me, but I got it. I understood. You know, I also accept his paychecks every week. They're nice. <laughs> so I was cool with that deal. Uh, but he was not in every, every segment of every minute of every segment. He come and go. Uh, and, uh, but he, he, you never knew where you, you never knew where you had to wonder where he stood. You right. knew. Well, quite frankly, if you're a smart businessman, Jimmy, he's the boss. Right, right. You either, right. Either, either run the plays he sends in or you don't. Right. If you don't choose to run the plays, somebody else will be playing your position. What was the mo- what was the most angry Vince ever got with you for something on play-by-play during Monday Night Raw? Not when you were at Talent Relations, not a backstage thing, but something during a Monday Night Raw. What Can you give a share of something where Vince may have chewed you out for something ridiculous or funny or oh, he, he chewed me up or not. He told me, he told me something to say during the, uh, during a, uh, match. Right. And, uh, and the, whatever it was, it, it's irrelevant, but he told me something to say and I didn't say it. Right. So he's on the other end of the microphone on the headset, right? He's screaming at me to say it, say it. Then finally we go to break and then he comes on and very docile and very, you know, very under control, mm. unlike he was during the live, on live. And he said, "JR," and I said, "Yes, sir." He said, "Did you hear me tell you to say it?" And I said, "I did." He said, "Well, it's a goddamn good thing you didn't say it because it would have been wrong as hell." Wow. So it, here's the, he, I got the last word from him about that change before we went out to do our our show. Right. Then he gets engulfed in everybody else's business because everybody wants Vince time. Right. It's very important for everybody, either creative uh, or an agent or producer or whatever, to have Vince time. And he and when they try to, the funny part about that is he's so damn smart and street smart. He knows when they're milking the, the system to get Vince time. He gets right. It. right. They think they're so shrewd that, well, you know, I'll get to make myself look good in front of Vince. <laughs> like Vince is not going to, he won't get it. Like, huh. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, good luck on that, pal. Right, right, so, right. Uh, but that's how that's that's the one I remember the most because before, like I said, before we went out, we we, we addressed that matter. He forgotten about it, so he was going by the old set of rules and say it, say it, say it, and I was going by the last I heard, which is whatever you do, don't say this. Okay, so okay, that's how it went. Gotcha. It's interesting. I'm just thinking about it uh, before I let you go. You're not going to say it. I'll say it. A lot of fans think you and Jerry Lawler are the greatest broadcast team ever and you guys the bulk of your years the the meaty years were the attitude era but the other announcers from there i don't know if they stand out whereas in that mean gene era it is amazing that you had you know mean gene bobby heenan jesse ventura and even vince who was not exactly a uh let's say nuts and bolts play-by-play guy but he did provide some uh interesting commentary to say the least and then you had gorilla monsoon obviously uh so that really seems like the heyday of the announcers in the WWE, even though the greatest broadcast team came later on. Would you agree with that assessment? Yeah, a lot of talent. You can't replicate that kind of talent. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, Vince was a very underrated play-by-play guy. <clears throat> he was. He, he knew how to keep the rudder in the water. Mm. He knew where he was going, obviously. He's, he's, he was in charge of it. Yep. Monsoon was a treasure. Yep. And a, and a, a wonderful man and a real true legend. Uh, Heenan, nobody ever did Heenan's job better than him right. before or since. Nobody. End of story. There's no discussion. There's no debate. Uh, Oakland was the best interview guy, best interviewer. 
that uh, was ever in the business. So, and Ventura was, he was opening, oh, he created a new uh, role uh, in the eyes of many as the villain uh, color analyst. Yeah, and had great chemistry uh, with Gorilla and Vince. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that, all those guys are just tremendous. Yeah. And, and they can't be, they come along when they come along. Yeah. You can see that uh, the, the announcers that are in the wrestling business today that have been trained in a, in a somewhat of a uh, sterile way mm. without, the, without a lot of uh, on-the-road territory-like uh, preparation, they don't have the same feel and the same instincts that their predecessors often had. Right. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. It's it's such a different world wrestling now, um, as you know better than anyone. But I appreciate you uh, coming on to talk about Mean Gene. I, w- I want to get you back on maybe around WrestleMania time. We'll do some. We'll get into real hardcore wrestling conversation. But I really just wanted to talk to Mean Gene, and I figured there'd be no one better than uh, you. And I appreciate yeah. the the time and conversation. Lovely man. Yeah, he was a lovely man. I remember talking to him on Thanksgiving. And we were talking about. He said, "Well, you know, I'm I'm, I'm trying to." eat a little healthier and I'm not drinking as much. <laughs> and I said, well, that's good. He said, well, I'm only drinking red wine, basically. All right. Well, said, yeah, but you're, drinking, but you're drinking a bottle of nine. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, so, you, you know, know what? It's the way if, when you get to that age, enjoy your life, enjoy your life. Damn right. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I say this in my podcast, Jimmy, every week. It's so true, man. Yeah. Our tomorrows are never guaranteed. It may sound like uh uh, some a, a lyric in a country song. No, it's, it's the truth. true, man. It's, we don't it's know. The truth. Yep, we ain't got a clue about tomorrow. You got that right. You got that right. So uh, you make it make the day good, and that's what I, yep. I try to do. And Gene did that. Gene lived a hell of a life, man. Yeah, it, it's a, the WWE. The, the WWE ran a great video package on Raw, and and you could tell he had he had a lot of fun with his job and his life. Oh God, he was yeah. he had fun ad libbing and producing himself and. And, and had those great, and then the great thing is he had all those great talents to work with. Yeah. Yeah. Had, it was a perfect story. And I had all these, yeah, all these guys just phenomenal. Yep. Uh, so he's, uh, you know, he, he's going to be missed, but man, I can't, I, I'm sad that he's gone. Yeah, of course. But I can't help but smile every time I think of him. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. JR. Jim Ross, uh, from the JR report every Wednesday. Where, where can people find that? Tell them, uh, uh, the, the, uh, our, our podcast is on, is produced by Westwood one. Okay. It's wherever podcasts are available. Uh, you know, iTunes and Stitcher and all those places, yep. wherever you get your podcast, uh, my podcast drops every Wednesday. It's doing very well. We appreciate the support and, uh, hope folks will check it out. All right, Jim. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Be well. You bet, buddy. All take right, care. Take care. You too. All right, my thanks to Joe Buck and Jim Ross. Really enjoyed this episode. I thought both uh, really did a great job. I appreciate them coming on. Next week, Bill Walton right here on the SI Media Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. It's a big help if you can do that. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. We'll see you next week right here on the SI Media Podcast. At 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.